Welcome to the Burgundy and Gold Knuckleheads podcast. As always, sitting right over there, you know who it is. It's my main man, Reggie. What's going on, Reggie? A little op- no opening music today. No, man. We're <laughs> once again we're having to uh, make make do as life intervenes, but it's all good, man. We still want to want to report and uh, record and give the people what they uh, what they're tapping in to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am traveling and hidden in a bunker somewhere in in the, actually in the D.C. area. Um, but yeah, it, it keeps me from having my normal setup. Um, Reggie, as always, is he's in in his studio there. But I, I, I don't have the music drops. I don't have the goofy sounds or the hails of the Redskins playing in, but, but we're here and, and wanted to have a, have a quick little podcast, uh, kind of a combo podcast actually is something else we don't do, but, but with a short week and with me traveling, um, we tried to put it together so we could, you know, we're not going to beat down the, the game this Sunday front with Chicago or with Chicago, with Philadelphia, uh, but we're going to talk about that a little bit, and then we're going to look ahead a little bit to Chicago on Thursday night football in America. Um, primetime. Yeah, primetime prime game. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that Chicago versus Washington is a, is a must-see NFL game if you're not a fan of either one of those, but, um, but I, I think it could be an interesting game. Um, but unfortunately, because of my travel, I didn't get to be at the sports bar that's all Commanders fans for this game. Because, Reggie, you were there. You were the crowd with the crowd and, and, and feeling the vibe. Man, the highs and lows had to be all over, over the place in this game at, at the bar. Yeah, it was, man. Um, you got to understand you know, there were a lot of question marks going into this game against Philadelphia. Um, and and one other thing I want to point out uh, before we kind of touch on it is to kind of set this up for our listeners. And uh, the sports bar that that we go to is a pretty big venue. And this venue has uh, three separate fan bases that share this bar. And it's pretty set up to where they've got a nice setup where it's isolated that as your team is playing, you're just completely listening to your games and it's, there's right. no interruption by the other other teams. So, for example, uh, the Steelers fan club is there. The Washington Commanders fan club is there. And so are the Philadelphia Eagles. So in this game, yeah, in this game, our fan club was there at the same time as we playing each other with the Eagles fan club. And uh, so, so of course, you know, there's a little bit of trash talk uh, before the game. And then of course, as the game went on, but for us, there was some, there was some question marks going into the game regarding how we would respond after the, uh, the, the embarrassing loss to the Buffalo bills the week prior. Right. And, 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 and of course, you know, <laughs> the game got off. Had his ebbs and flows throughout. Uh, Washington was hanging in in there early on with the Eagles. Um, at one point, we were leading the game, and it was pretty pretty quiet in the uh, Eagles' room. Um, 
we can't hear them unless they get real loud and cheer. Um, or whenever they score, they do their traditional where they spell Eagles out, you know, and that type of thing. But there wasn't a whole lot for them to celebrate early on. And so it was pretty quiet coming out of their their room over there where they where they were watching the game themselves. Um, but 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 of course, we cheered, they cheered, kind of went back and forth. And uh I can I can honestly say the Eagles fans were a little nervous. They were a little nervous about the game that was transpiring. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I I can imagine. Like I said, that's why I, I brought it up. Was um, again, there's a, there's a wall uh, to kind of elaborate. There's a wall directly between us, so you can you can hear the cheering. You can't necessarily see them, uh, but you can you can hear even just during. You know, obviously we're playing each other, but even on, on random weeks, if we're playing at the same time, you hear that they did something, you're like, ah, oh, crap, the Eagles scored, right? Um, but, yeah, like I said, the I, I'm sure they felt pretty happy there um, up until Sam Howell uh, sh- showed on the last drive, and we can talk about other parts of the game, but the last drive – showed what we've been talking about, about his character, about his grit, about, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't get rattled. You know, the, the moment, the, he, yes, he is still a rookie, but the moment itself is not too big for him. He still has learning. He'll, he'll be better, you know, in five weeks than he is today. But again, he, he he's not rattled. He, he's, he's rolling with it. And fighting and, and and not iced up, you know, as they like to say. The, mo- the, the moment is not too big for the guy, right? He's continued right. to feel that. I think with the game being on national television, at least regionally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of people got to see a little bit more of Sam Howell, um, kind of the things that we've been talking about. And um, – Social media, people are talking about it. They're giving uh, a lot of praise to Sam Howe. Um, but this was also, was also a, a bounce-back game for Eric Bieniemy. Uh, Eric Bieniemy being the offensive coordinator, you know, what kind of game plan was he going to put together for this Philadelphia team? How was he planning to help out uh, Sam Howe and the offensive line against what is – nationally perceived as a dominant defensive front by the Philadelphia Eagles. And it became, it became apparent early on during the game that the three-step drop, quick pass, slant pass, just essentially the quick game was going to be the manner in which we were going to attack uh, the Eagles attacking defense. And, and boy, it worked. It worked to perfection. It, 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 allowed our situation where our offensive linemen were not responsible for, for protecting for three, four seconds. It was right. a few steps, drop, balls out of his hand, you're on to the next play. So it was good to see not only Sam bouncing back in the manner in which he did, but also Eric Bieniemy making a pretty good game plan for these Eagles, man. So it was good. Yeah, I think if you just – if you watch through the game – uh, to your point, the game plan that was put together didn't leave Washington and Sam Howell in a position 
throughout the game where it was third and long, right? It was third and four, third and five, third and two, you know, third and manageable. Um, now, the exception would be if there was, a, you know, some penalties or things like that or a sack. Um, but without a negative play, you know, whether it was a penalty or a sack, without those, um, the, the, the game was, was very manageable and they tended to move the ball pretty well throughout the game. Um, I think time of possession, uh, Washington led time of possession. Uh, they had, you know, right off the bat, they had a seven, seven and a half minute drive somewhere in there, starting out the game and, and putting seven on the board. Um, I, I was, you always want to put seven instead of three, but I think on the opening drive is a lot of times kind of setting the tone for the rest of the game. So, it, you know, it was, it was, it was really good from a confidence level and to let Philadelphia know that th- th- this is, this is going to be a, a full 60 minute game and boy, did it turn out to be. And then some, right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the opening drive, to your point, was long. It was very reminiscing uh the game uh the prior last year when we went into, I think it was week 10 or something, when we went into uh Philadelphia as they were undefeated at that time. And we dominated the time of possession 40, roughly 40 to 20 minutes, right? Right. So once, once again, you know, a, a long seven, almost eight-minute drive to open the game was, was very reminiscent of that. And so that was good to see. And to your point, to – to end such a long drive and get a touchdown out of it was was very very encouraging not only for the team it was for the fans as well um what was also evident in the game plan was they targeted terry mclaurin our best wide receiver often and early in that game yep. um yep. I, I i'm not a fan of of forcing a ball to one particular guy I, i've never been a fan of that because i think you you you're not spreading the ball around to the point where you're allowing the the offense to dictate who gets the ball. But there are times where you have to scheme your best player and get your best player going. And getting the ball into Terry's hand early in that game, and he made a couple of catches that were, were grown man catches, and I think that also set the tone for not only the game, but also that opening drive. Right. And that was very important, and very, and that was very encouraging to see as well. Well, yeah. I mean, the, you know, going back to the very first, the very first offensive play was a seven to seven, eight, nine yard uh, slant. And right off the bat, I, I text you. I was like, "What? A, a slant right off the bat?" You know, this is what we've been talking about for a while. Um, not only to get the ball in quickly into the hands of our uh, playmakers, which are are three wide receivers, but you're also, you know, it's an easy pass, easy read for the quarterback. And to your point that you mentioned also, the offensive line doesn't have to hold it there. Um, speaking of the offensive line, they did better, but I think they did better because of the game plan, not because they agree, because they did better, which is, I, I, I give the credit on that to Eric the enemy. Um, I also give credit to Sam Howell because we saw Sam Howell three or four times throw the ball away rather than hold it. Um, so he, he's learning that process of not taking 
unneeded sacks. If you have time to throw the ball away, throw the ball away. Um, again, that's that's a learning curve for him. And, and for somebody that always wants to make a play, sometimes you throw it away and you make a play on the next down. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know that we're going to get a, the offensive line to get better this season. Um, I'm hoping they gel. I hope I, – I, I certainly hope they are. But the offensive line is still – you know, I, I feel more and more secure every week with Sam Howell. I don't feel the same way at all about the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, no, I 100% agree. Because at the end of the day, the offensive line oh, – let me take that back. At the end of the day, Sam Howell was sacked five times. I don't remember every sack to be able to say some of it was on Sam or the offensive line. But at the end of the day, the guy was still sacked five times. I'm, I'm with you 100% in that the offensive line seemed to look better, but I think that had more to do with the game plan and the quick pass uh, as much as it was that the, that the offensive line held up. But to their credit, they held up just, just enough because everyone, including yours truly, was a little concerned about the Eagles' defensive front. Sure. And they still was able to block enough to give Sam Howe enough time to – to, to make a few plays down the field. What was also encouraging, you mentioned about uh, his ability to throw away the ball a few times. What I was very excited to see is when the play was not down the field, instead of him trying to run and extend the play and still go for the big play, he chose to check down. Right. He, chose to check, he chose to check down, and I, I don't remember which, which play it was, but it was when we kicked the field goal. We were down in the red zone, we kicked the field goal, and we was at the bar, and, and the table's like, it's, it's third and goal. Why not throw that to the end zone? And I said, well, in his credit, we don't know if the wide receivers were covered or not, okay? And remember, we all preached about down and distance, recognizing situational football. So would you have rather him try to throw into the end zone on our wide receivers who may have been covered and potentially throw another red zone interception or does you take the check down, move the ball a little further, kick the field goal, and at least get three points out of it? Right. And every and everybody at the table's like, okay, that's a good point to think about it. But this this whole thing of you need to throw it in the end zone to give your wide receiver a chance. But if they were covered, double coverage, or it just wasn't good enough, I thought that was a growth moment for Sam. If it was truly instead of trying to force it in and make a turnover. Throw it to the throw it to the to check down, make it fourth down, get the extra three points, and let's move on to the next series. So I I was happy about it. I I know it it you want to go to the end zone, but I was happy about that because I thought that was a that was a big boy moment for Sam to be able to do that. Um, in terms of the O line, over the past few weeks, um, one name that's been consistent in struggling. Has been a right tackle, free agent signing from Kansas City, Wiley. My question is, is it time to make the big boy decision and put in Cornelius Lucas? See what Cornelius, because he's our swing tackle. Right. What if you put in Cornelius Lucas at right tackle? Because when he played last year, when guys got hurt, Sadiq Charles, Chris Paul, all those guys came in. They didn't, they didn't play bad. 
Right. I don't remember, but I don't certainly don't remember these guys giving up this kind of pressure consistently week in, week out the way Wiley has has continued to give up pressures. I forgot the stat, but he gave up several, several pressures, a sack. I mean, the, the, he, the guy is just it's just not it's just not happening for him right now. Right. man. I don't know what right. it is, but yeah. A few extra protection for Sam, and what difference could it make? So, man, maybe time, like I said, maybe it's just time to give Cornelius Lucas a chance to start at right tackle. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's one of those things that if you got to do something, um, I don't know. I mean, the the first thing uh, again, uh, first thing I will give the coaching staff credit for is doing something by changing up the game plan to help the situation. Um, but potentially, you know, you've, you've got four or five other offensive linemen, not all that can play right tackle, but you've, you've got, you know, they, Ron has preached diverse, you know, what do you call it? Uh, not diversity, but uh, what's that? Yeah. And, and so he, he purposely went and got players that could play multiple positions. Um, find somebody else who can play right tackle and – you know, maybe, maybe this isn't the time because there's a quick turnaround for Chicago. But if he doesn't play well at, at, out of Chicago, um, you've got a long extra week to tell somebody else to, you know, watch some extra tape because you're going to be starting at right tackle next year, next, uh, uh, the, the following week. Um, don't have a whole lot to say about B-Rob other than, man, he just continues to run hard. Uh, whether he picks up one yard, whether he picks up eight yards, he, he he's he's make he makes the defense stop you, right? They they gotta they're, they're not arm tackling B Rob. They're right. you know they're they gotta put a shoulder, uh, their whole body there to to take him. So um, uh, I'm liking that. Um, then we flip over to the other side of the ball. Well, hang on. Uh, what well, we get into the to the defense? I was just gonna do yeah. one more thing here. Um, go for it. Just, just big kudos to to Sam Howell and that offense man um, on that last drive to 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 basically get that touchdown with literally two seconds to go in the game, right? To to Jahan Dotson, uh, incredible throw. He knew as Jahan was coming out of his break, Sam threw the ball to the outside because if he throws it to the inside, the DB has a chance to knock it down. But he threw that right. ball to the outside shoulder. DB was on this side. He threw it to the outside shoulder. Jahan makes it makes an incredible catch. Um, but the topic of today has been about whether or not Ron Rivera should have gone for the two-point conversion at the end of regulation. Right. I have thoughts on it, Ken. What, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I tend to be, in those situations, more of a go-for-it guy. Um, and it's always easy in hindsight, right? It's, it's right. E easy in hindsight to say, oh, I was a go for it guy, or I was this or that. Um, I tend, man, it, it is always a hard decision. Um, it is almost, you know, if you win the game, whether it's the two point conversion or whether it's to go over into overtime, then it's the right decision. It's only second guessed when you lose. Right. Um, but I don't have a problem with it, uh, with, with going for the two point conversion. I probably would have leaned 
a little bit more towards going for it. Um, but at the same time, I, I wasn't spitting and cussing by any means when we kicked the field goal and took it into overtime. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a problem. I didn't have a problem either way, but I, if, if the decision would have been made by me at the moment, I probably would have gone for the two-point conversion, but I didn't lose any sleep over, you know, so, over it. So you, you, so you would have probably went for two, but you didn't have a problem with him kicking the extra point going into overtime. Correct, 100%. Okay. Um, I'll be honest. When it happened, the two-point conversion never even occurred to my mind. It was like, we're going to kick this and go to overtime and give ourselves a chance. Right. Um, so it never occurred to me to go for the two-point. However, if Ron, if we had gone into overtime and we won that game, no one's second-guessing the two-point conversion. The Correct. Fact we didn't, the fact that we didn't win the game, then everyone's questioning whether Ron should have went for two. My whole thing about this is the guy was damned if he do and damned if he don't. Because Absolutely. the situation was such that if Ron had, and I and I, I even communicated about this a little bit on social media, if Ron had gone for two and we failed, first of all, they just said it was the wrong call. Yep. And I guarantee you the narrative would have been Ron went for two to try to win the game because he didn't trust his young quarterback and his team to go into overtime. And what he should have done was he should have kicked the extra point because the team had the momentum and we should have took our chance in overtime to try to win the game. But because he didn't trust his young quarterback and he didn't trust his team, he tried to win the game at the end of regulation. So – that's what they would. That's what the narrative would have been. So it's kind of like the guy couldn't win for losing here. But right. it's one thing to have the conversation and say, should he have gone for two? But man, people were were eating him up on national television and on social media that he should have gone for two. I'm like, oh, I, I question it. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I will say on top of that, any heat that he is getting right now for losing in overtime. If he would have not converted the two-point conversion, he would have gotten twice as much heat for going for two and and missing it. You know, it would have been like, you had all the momentum. You should have taken that momentum and just taken it into overtime and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, w- I gave him absolutely zero heat. I had zero problem with it. Um, you know, Washington had the ball. They had the chance first. You know, and, the, 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 the offense should have done something. A lot of these were our own, our own fans. It's like, come on, man. It's just yeah. ridiculous. And no. but they were talking about it on national television as well. Then I was like, come on, man. These you, you, you just this is just ridiculous. But yeah, it, it, it's a coin it's a coin flip conversation. Yeah. Right? hundred percent. If if you win the game, it was the right decision. If you lose the game, it was a wrong decision. That and that didn't matter which way which way you went. Right, so, right. um, but jumping over to the defensive side of the ball, um, man, I, I, I got a lot to say about the defensive side, man. First, <laughs> first and foremost, it was a, a, a baptism. Welcome to the NFL moment for Emmanuel Forbes, right? Um, AJ Brown is a, is a big grown man. 
Manuel Forbes is a rookie. AJ Brown's all pro, pro bowler, man. And, and it was a rough day. Um, I, I appreciate the confidence that the team showed in Emmanuel Forbes to, to handle AJ Brown. But at some point, I think maybe they probably should have given him a little bit of help. Um, and I'm not saying he needed help throughout the game, but in some of the big moments, you might want to give the guy a little bit of help. Uh, right. But my biggest thing about this defense is, and I'm going to get on my soapbox for a little bit. Go ahead, man. This team has given up 30 plus points three games, three consecutive games, and we've only played four, folks. And and with the exception of week one, weeks two, three, and four, we've given up 30-plus 30, 30 points, okay? The other thing I have here is we always talk about this defense is going to be this and that, and we got this talent, we got all these first-round picks and all this kind of thing. But all offseason, what did they tell us? What was the topic of conversation? If you listen to any post, any press conference, during training camp, it was start fast and turnovers. Right. We've not we've not started fast and we're not generating turnovers. Right. Okay. And you're telling me this is year four of this defensive system. So the expectation is that we should be able to hit the ground running. We we practically return all the same starters, with the exception of Cody Barton. And yet, here we are again. We, we're supposed to have an elite defense. And, and let me be clear here, man. I've always questioned, as I said before, is what my eyes tell me. I don't care about stats. The stats have us as a top defense, but my eye test has doesn't tell not, me. Not right now. I, not right now, we're not. <laughs> if you go look at the stats, yeah, we're not. Not right now, not last year, not the year before. Right. This team has never been elite. We've had good stats. But we've never been elite. We're not our defense isn't taking over games. Right. They're not making game-changing plays. So stop telling me that we have an elite defense. We have a good team. We have a lot of talent on defense, but we don't have an elite defense. Right. Because if you're gonna tell me I have an elite defense, then I'm gonna expect elite, elite play. And I'm not getting elite play from this team. And we and we have not. Since the first day we drafted our first round defensive guy, and we've drafted four of them, so I'm done. I'm done hearing about it. So until they do something different, and everyone's talking about how Del Rio's defense starts slow, I don't want to hear that because you told me this is year four, all the guys in the system, and we're gonna start fast and create turnovers, and you're not doing any of it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I you know, to to your point, I, I agree a hundred percent of everything you said. Um, and we are way too early in the season for this question. I'm going to throw at you, but yeah, the, the two question marks moving forward that everybody has been talking about as the season was coming up. And even during the season is, uh, Montez sweat and chase young are both going to be free agents this coming year. Um, high-end free, high free agent defensive ends are 20 million plus. Okay. From what you've seen in four games, are you willing to pay either one of them for $20 million, you know, four-year, five-year 
$20 million, half of it guaranteed. Has either one of them earned it? Because they've both been around for four, well, four years, five years. Yeah. Uh, Montez has been there longer. But has either one earned a $20 million plus dollar a year paycheck? Well, the short answer is no. Okay. And it's funny you asked this question because while, while I was at the bar on Sunday, I asked the question at the, to the table and, and some guys next to us. And I said, if you had to resign one of these guys today, who are you picking? And one, two, three, four, four, five, four people said Montez, one guy said Chase. Okay. If you got to pay one, I said, I said Montez simply because I've at least seen some production, some growth in production. But the question you're asking is, is either one earned a $20 million a year contract? I mean, the, th the other option is to pay neither, right? I mean, it, it, uh, we're, not pay we're not paying both, right? Anybody that thinks we are, y'all just, I know, I know weed is uh, legal in D.C., but y'all are on it too much. We're not paying both. Um, I, don't think, I don't think we're paying both either. I, and, and as of today... I'm not paying either one of them $20 million, right? Uh, and and I, I hope it changes. I hope one of them earns it. And, you know, whether it's 18, 20, 20, heck, get a $25 million contract, earn it. I would love to pay you, right? Nobody had a problem with paying Allen. Right. Nobody had a problem with paying. We, we, we weren't sure that we were going to be able to afford to pay Payne. But when we did it, nobody had a problem with it. Uh, if today you told me that the commanders went ahead and signed one of them for the next four years, I'd be, I, I would be questioning that move. Either one of them. That's fair. Either one that's of fair. them. And that's fair. I, 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 can't, I can't argue the, the logic to not sign them. So... Um, um, I, I was going to piggyback. You also commented on on Forbes. Uh, clearly, he had a he had he had a rough day. This is, I mean, if there was, you know, normally your 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 inauguration would be game you know, one, game two, but man, this 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 was it. This was it. Uh, Brown showed him what elite NFL wide receivers are about. Um, but not only on Forbes, you know, we, we've gone two weeks back to back with what I would call elite wide receivers. We got a lot more coming, right? And Diggs last week ate our lunch. Uh, Brown this past week ate our lunch. Um, like I said, we, we still got to play Miami. We still got to play Dallas twice. We play Philadelphia again. I mean, I can go down the list. The, of teams that have elite wide receivers, are we going to let elite wide receivers just bust out for 150 yards plus every time, you know, with a touchdown or two? Um, so that, that, that is concerning, whether it's – whether it's, and I'm not just picking on Forbes. I'm, I'm saying, you know, Del Rio well, – yeah, Del Rio, we talked about the enemy making adjustments for this past week with the short passes and, and helping the offensive line. What are you, what are you going to do Jack to, um, to, uh, you know, kind of 
tamper down some of these uh, elite wide receivers that we're going to be facing. Um, well, I, I would think that the adjustment would be that you start with your high price defensive line that's loaded with four first round talents because there's a lot of capital uh, uh, fi financial uh, money that's been invested in it. I would right. assume that you would get those guys to be able to get a little bit of pressure because if you're getting pressure in the quarterback, then there's no time to throw to those elite wide receivers. Well, it was a conversation. Uh, it's been that conversation for a couple of years now. Right, absolutely. But, yeah. but, but, but clearly that's not happening. That's why I'm tired of talking about this being an elite defense. And I hate right. when we get on TV and the first thing they want to talk about is the four first rounders that Washington has on the front line. I don't give a damn. Right. Because guess what? It ain't, it ain't translating. It's not translating. We give it up. We give, we've given up 30 plus points, Ken. Yeah. We, we're talking about how the defense was supposed to be able to be steady and hold the fort until the offense can can catch up with our defense. Absolutely. Our, defense, our offense is having to win the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, our offense, we're asking our offense to win games that was supposedly our defense supposed to be able to hold people. With, with, with our rookie – well, rookie uh, fifth round quarterback, right? Um, right. The, the the quarterback that they want that that some people are already after the Buffalo game were ready to give up on. There, he's the one that you want to put all the pressure on, not the defense uh, other side of the ball that ha has a first rounder, 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 right? You got you know not not only front four, but you got Jamin Davis and you got Forbes also. Right, so you get six six first rounders, more than half of the defense, you know, it, are, are are first rounders. Um, so you know it. You got a third round in Kendall Fuller. You got a seventh rounder in uh, Cam Curl. I right. mean, I mean it, it, there's talent there, and I don't know what's happening. But right now, today, everyone's talking about how Emmanuel Forbes is a bust. I'm telling you, man, we have some idiots. No, 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 no. Yeah. We, we, I, I don't agree with it, but I'm just telling you we have some idiot fans, and they're talking about – so last week it was Sam Howell. Right. And EB. Right. EB ain't it. Sam Howell's not not who we thought he was. And now all of a sudden this week everybody's – they're back on Sam Howell's jock after this week, and now it's it's all targeted at at uh, Emmanuel Forbes. Well, I – you know, it's funny. The bus and Emmanuel yeah. Forbes ain't him. Like, right. come on, man. These people. It, it, it's funny because I thought about this today uh, before getting getting ready for the show here. Um, there, there's certain positions in the NFL that if you are not reaching your maximum potential right away, you can hide. Right. Um, back-to-back -back weeks, two positions that you can't hide having a mediocre game or be dealing with the learning curve is quarterback and cornerback, right? If you're a wide receiver and you can't quite get open, nobody knows, right? Uh, if you're a wide receiver and you run a wrong route, most people aren't going to notice. The, 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 the coaching staff knows. Right. If you only get three catches for, you know, 32 yards, oh, he just he just wasn't on today, whatever. They had. Maybe you're not. Right. 
maybe you haven't learned the NFL yet, but you do that with a quarterback, and man, he's not going to make it. He's he's there, there, there's no Trash. there's no learning curve opportunity given for the quarterback in the NFL. And then the same thing with the with the cornerback because it's it's all or nothing at both of those positions. Right, the quarterback is trash, and the cornerback he gets burned. He's toast. No right. good. Right, right, yeah. I, and people, idiots, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and if you're one of those out there that listen to this podcast that say that you're trash, Reggie just said it. I'm backing him up. Um. <laughs> I said I said they're idiots. Oh, idiots! They they, they they call they call the quarterback trash, and say the court and say the cornerback is trash because he's always getting toasted or getting burned. Right? I'm saying people who feel that way when you have a when you got a guy who's played four games, and you already decided that he's no good and he's trash. I'm saying you're an idiot, and I stand by that. I, I'll back it up. I'll back. It up. I'm, I'm gonna take away the trash. I'm gonna upgrade it to idiot. Uh, you're an idiot if you say that. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I think we've kind of covered that the the game. Any other points that you want to make about? Uh, I mean, the, I think this is a game. That most games that you lose, you can't get moral victories out of. This is this is one of the rare games where I think you can get a, and not a moral victory, but maybe a a, a learning, a growth um, from from a team perspective on this. Um, we will see if that ends up coming into fruition or not. But this was a this was a, a game that I think we saw what the team was made out of: fighting back, fighting hard against a, a really good team, bouncing back after a horrible week with Buffalo. Um, this is a, a character game, a character building game, and I hope it you know I hope it leads to more success for for. Yeah, for Washington. yeah. There's certainly a lot of positives that could be taken from this from this Eagles game and the loss that we had here. Um, so, you know, we we still we play for wins and losses. I get it, but yep, absolutely. To see, to, to see some things that came out of the game, there's still positives that can be that can be deemed from this game, and and that's kind of how I tend to look at it, man. Because no matter how you shake it after what happened against Buffalo. This team bounced back and put up 34, uh, 31 points against not only a team that was just in the Super Bowl, but also a team that is supposed to have a top three defensive line. And yet our our team still put up 31 points on them guys. Right. So, right. so yeah, all, all is not lost in that. And, and, and at the end of the day, when we did our predictions, I had us probably – at best three and one, at worst two and two, because if it was going to be two and two, it's going to be the Buffalo and the Philly game that we were going to lose. Right, so right. We're right. We're right where I predicted us. It was more about how we, how we would look after four games as opposed to what our record was going to be. So I agree, hundred percent. I'm, I'm satisfied with it. Yeah, which leads, uh, us, which leads us into our next game, which is how this team now after the first four games, how do we start the? the the uh, next four games um, of our season, and it starts on Thursday night, which is a short week, as you mentioned, um, against the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears are coming in to D.C. Um, after putting up a tough fight against the Denver Broncos. It was one of the two games where it featured two winless teams, and Chicago was actually dominating that game 
uh, throughout. And I thought, man, Denver's about to go 0-4. But somehow Denver fought back and won that game against Chicago. And Chicago is is imploding. Um, their number, their main wide receiver, uh, Chase Claypool, was a healthy scratch. He was asked to stay away from the team on, on Sunday. So he did not play. And since then, I saw today that he's been asked to stay away from the team indefinitely. So I don't know what's going on there in Chicago, but they won't have their main receiver. We know that there is reports. I don't know how true it is, but reports that uh, Justin Fields has regressed. They're blaming the head coach. There seems to be a lot of finger pointing. And it's just amazing that Dan Snyder leaves Washington and all of a sudden no one's talking about our turmoil anymore. It seems to be everybody else. And right. I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah. But but Chicago seems to be imploding from the inside out. And uh, there's a lot of things coming. But I will say, when the whistle and the lights come on on Thursday night, we still have to suit up and play. And I don't think that Chicago is going to be the cakewalk that I think we think it would, that we some people feel that will be. All right. Uh, we've, we've opened up as a seven or seven and a half point favorite in this game which concerns me as well <laughs> but uh but i don't think this is going to be a cakewalk we should win this game but i don't think it's going to be a cakewalk yeah um yeah the, I, I think chicago is not as good of a team as what we thought they might be uh in the offseason they made a lot of moves um through free agency um Obviously, they made some moves in uh, through the draft, as, as all teams do. But their moves in free agency, where they went and spent some money, they had a lot of money to spend, has not paid off. Um, and you know, offensively, it, it does all fall on uh, Fields and his lack of, of growth as a quarterback. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, as, as much heat as, as he gets, and, and I'm going to say probably deserves from, from the games that I've seen and, and watched him over the last couple of years, um, he probably deserves most of it. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, as far as points allowed, they're 31st. Uh, I forget who it was, but there's only one team who's given up more points than them. Uh, they're 28th as far as yards allowed. So they're giving up a lot of points and a lot of yards. Um, they've only had in four games. They've only the defense has only had two takeaways by way of fumble or interception, um, and and then they've lost. Clearly, they've lost all four games, but they've lost by eighteen points, ten points, thirty-one points, and in this last game, they were leading by a lot. Right, they were leading by—I I forget how much it was—but they were. They were leading by double score, two scores yeah, at least. Yeah, I was going to say I, I was thinking it was it was twelve, fourteen points, and let the team come back and let and they they only ended up losing by three. So if you look at the points, it's only three. But man, at the end, they were giving up all these points to let Denver come back. So the the, the defense is, is 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 in bad shape over there. Um, I think, you know, when I look at this game, I, I don't 
disagree that this game might be a little bit tougher. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher early on. Um, I think Washington has something to build. Uh, I think I'm, I'm hoping that the enemy gained a little bit more perspective of the team that he has and what it's going to take, uh, calling more of a similar game that he did um, against Philadelphia. Now it's a, it's a d- different defensive line. You know, you, you may have more time than you did with Chicago than you did there, but he, he, he's learning what works with the tools that he has. Right. Um, I, I don't think that he needs to Scott Turner needed to learn how to be an offensive coordinator. That's not the enemy. The enemy is learning what his team truly is. Cause this is the first year that he's been playing with them, their strengths and weaknesses. And it's hard to learn that in training camp, you see some of it, but until you start playing against different defenses and seeing, you know, who succeeds and who fails, then you start making your adjustments. And we're seeing the enemy do some of that this past week. If he continues on with that, um, I think our offense is going to be in, in good shape this, this week coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, I, I just think that there's still, if I'm being honest with some concerns about the game is there's still some things that Chicago can do that seems to be our weakness. One being a mobile quarterback, um, unlike Josh Allen and even what Jalen Hurts did not do, which is run around a lot. The Chicago Bears seem to rely on Justin Fields' legs quite a bit. Correct. And so Josh Allen has decided, you know, I'm only going to use my legs here and there. And we thought Jalen Hurts would do a little bit more of it on Sunday, but he did not. But he has the ability of the threat right. to use his legs a lot. Well, Chicago doesn't really hide the fact, and, and it may just be out of necessity, but Justin Fields is very, very active using his legs to extend plays and, and, and get and still yardage. So right. our, we have an aggressive uh, defensive line when it comes to trying to get to the quarterback and get sacks, but that leaves us vulnerable to, to guys like Justin Fields. Um, these guys almost beat us last year. I mean, it was a dog fight for us to beat them last year. And, yeah, we've improved, but so have they. It doesn't show up on the on their record, but they've improved a little bit. And so I go back to that again, and I don't think that this is going to be a cakewalk, but the Chicago Bears is a team that is trying to get their first win. And they're going to come to D.C. Hope, hope, hoping on a short week to try to steal the game. They're gonna. They're 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 not giving up, man. They're still clawing and scratching, and they're gonna come in here, trying trying to get this game. And we have to be prepared for that. We have to match that energy. Just because it's a home game doesn't automatically mean we win this game. It gives us an advantage. But I tell you, man, the, these these guys are gonna come in here, and so we better be ready and be prepared to to uh, to, to to take these guys' best punch here and try to win this game because. Yeah. It's a winnable game for us. In my opinion, it's a game we should win. But, boy, I tell you. Well, well Reggie, I, I don't have any music to for this intro, but um, I, I think it's that time. You know, it's the, you know, what, what's your name, what's your number time frame? 
It's the, it's the most popular segment in the podcast world, right? It is. It, the entire world of all podcasts that are out there. <laughs> so for those that are listening for the first time here, what this means is what Ken and I on our pregame leading up to the uh, upcoming opponent on a scale of one to ten. Let's let's be honest here. We root every week for our team to win. Okay, so regardless of who the opponent is, we're rooting for us to win. But the number that we're going to give here is our confidence number in whether or not we think we can pull the win out. Okay, so how do we feel going into this game against Chicago? So Ken, I'll let you start, man. What's your confidence number? And that we win this game on Thursday. Um, yeah, for for the, for the reasons that I said, I I think I got to my number by two. The two biggest things is what I saw the offense do um, this past week against Philadelphia, a good team. Uh, the adjustments that we made that the enemy put into the program. Uh, the fact that Sam Howell played better and the enemy took pressure. You know, normally you take pressure off the quarterback. I think the enemy changes that he did took pressure off the offensive line, which made, which helped Sam tremendously. Uh, I think we'll continue to see that. However, you know, the same scheme that works against Phil, uh, Philadelphia may be adjusted for the, the personnel with uh, the Chicago bears, but I like our offense on that as well as how bad the, the Chicago defense is. Um, I, I think this is a measure where the two could come together and Washington could actually have a, a big win, uh, a, a double-digit win. Uh, you know, one of those wins where you're in the fourth quarter and you're, you're sipping on your favorite adult beverage. Um, what? And so, so with that said, it's, it's not a crazy over-the-top number, but I, but I do have confidence that Washington will win this. I'm sitting at a 7.5 on this game. 7.5. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. How about fell out the chair, man? When you say we're going to win by double digits. and I mean, I'm not saying wow. I'm, it's not a guarantee, but I, I could see it going that way where this is a game where the offense really starts to get in a groove. I mean, one of the things we talked about is uh, off – you know, in between you and I off of Texas and everything is we haven't been hitting big plays this year. Uh, we've had one or two, but we don't have that, that big play, that quick touchdown. I know uh, uh, Terry had, had one that was like a 14-second drive or something like that. But overall, we haven't been hitting the big plays. And we, we may see one or two or three uh, on, on Thursday night. Okay. Um, well, for me – it just comes down to man is, uh, I, I, I'm afraid to put too much confidence in this team. Uh, we should win this game, okay? I'm right. We flat out should win this game, and this game should not even be close. However, I'm talking about our team, and we know that we don't blow people out. We right. we we always fight to the bitter end. It doesn't matter who it is. And and here's a situation where, again, I think we've, we're going to be facing a desperate Chicago Bears team. Um, I'm concerned that our offense will resort back to a heavy pass, trying to go the big play, which is going to result into more sacks 
stacking up for Sam Howell. So I'm concerned with all these things. So with that, my number is going to be a little bit lower than yours. I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Uh, but it's a strong six. Strong six. Like, I have no pro no question that we win this game. I just don't know exactly how we do it. And yeah. so so I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a strong six that we win this game. And uh no, and I, I appreciate that. I think um I didn't bring it up when we were talking about some of the stats for the Bears, but um don't be surprised if we still end up passing more than running. Uh their their weakness seems to be in the passing game more so than the running game. Their their running game, their defense has been kind of middle of the pack. Their passing defense has been in, in the bottom four or five, um, giving up a lot of yards, giving up a lot of plays. So uh, we, we will see. Um, I'm, I'm going to make one bold prediction. Uh-oh. Is, is it bold? Is this a truly bold one? Because, ladies and gentlemen, I've heard bold predictions uh, you know, there's there one time about a year and a half ago where oh, Reggie said where, where Reggie said the sun would rise as a bold prediction, and uh, he he wanted to count that as a as a feather in his cap. But go ahead, go ahead. I, I wish I had some good music. You know, some good. Uh, I wish I had my soundboard here to lay something out for you. But the stage is yours. Go ahead. Why you always got to tell my business, man? <laughs> but look, here's my bold prediction. My okay, bold prediction is. Emmanuel Forbes is going to have a bounce back game and he's going to get his first interception on Thursday night. Hasn't he already had one? I think he did. Now that you mentioned that, I think he did against uh, Arizona, right? Now, Arizona, at the end of the game, he should have had one. And it was the next game against. Maybe, maybe it was Denver. Did it was against know? Denver. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Wait, either way, he's going to bounce back and he's going to get an interception this game. Now, now, if you really want to make it bold, you'll say that he's going to take it back for six. Do you want? Do you want to go truly bold? Nope, nope. I don't even drink coffee like that. So, <laughs> so, nope, not going to do that. All right, all right. I, 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 I'll call it. I would refer to that as a prediction as opposed to a bold prediction. But that's just that's just my prediction scale. You have your prediction scale. I got mine. So, right. uh, so, so that means it's bold. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I, I like. It. Hey, either way, Washington comes out with a win by one point at the last second at, on a two-point conversion. We're still happy, right? That's right. That's right, man. <laughs> whatever Let's it takes. Whatever it takes. Let's go get him. So, you got anything that's else, my it. man? Nah, that's it, man. I appreciate everybody for tapping in, and uh, uh, we didn't have our, our normal production, but that's okay. We still wanted to uh, give give you the meat and potatoes, give our takes on uh, looking back at the uh, Eagles game and, and a preview of the uh, Bears game on the short week. So we appreciate appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to us. And as always, peace out. Peace out, knuckleheads. <laughs>